Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Conquer Your Life podcast. We are joined by a serial entrepreneur based in St. Louis, Missouri today. His journey began in July of 2020 when he transitioned from being a medical device sales rep to a full-time entrepreneur. Leaving behind a secure job during uncertain times, he took a chance on himself driven by desire for more than just money and material possessions. With a strong passion for digital marketing, our guest leveraged his skills to establish successful ventures. He is now the owner and partner of Height Digital, but his path hasn't been lined with just rainbows and sunshine. He's had to overcome plenty of hurdles and challenges to become the successful entrepreneur he is today. From sales rep to CEO, join us as Adam McChesney shares his inspiring journey and valuable insights on conquering obstacles and becoming the thriving business owner that he is today. Welcome on the show, brother. Kristen, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate the introduction and a huge fan of yours, man. So excited to uh, to chat here today and, and pour into the audience. Man, I appreciate that. You know what? I haven't had anybody say that they're a fan of me before. Well, you're seriously doing all the right things, man. So if people aren't telling you, just make sure to to know that people are fans of you. So don't worry about that. You the man. I appreciate it. So I know I gave a pretty decent in introduction there, but let's have the listeners get to know a little bit more about you to get this started. Yeah. So Adam McChesney, born and raised here in St. Louis, Missouri, which is where I live at right now. Married to my wife, Delaney, uh, coming up on 40 years in October. We are expecting our first child, so a baby boy here in September. So excited for that. Going to have our hands full here shortly. Uh, went to, to college, graduated college, four different degrees, had decent GPA, played college soccer, but didn't really love school at all. Um, loved working in in. I was a college athlete, but I always had a job. I had multiple internships over the course of my four years. And so I was always understanding that I needed to get in the rooms with the right people in mm. order to get better opportunities. It wasn't that I needed to study more or do any of those things. Um, so I did that, ended up graduating with my main major being in sports management, but I didn't want to work in sports. Got a job in sales and marketing right after college. Did that for about a year. Moved back home and lived in my mom's basement. Just kind of working odd and end jobs for about six months. I mm. told myself I was going to be an entrepreneur and start companies. And like, I was just doing random crap. <laughs> and then one day I woke up and I'm like, man, I need to get a job. So I ended up stumbling my way into medical device sales somehow, some way. And worked for a small company, then worked for a large company called ResMed, uh, sell, selling CPAP equipment and medical devices. I managed about a $25 million a year territory uh, here in Missouri, and then ultimately got into digital marketing back in 2018. So started as a side hustle, taught me how to build websites, rank websites to the first page of Google. I built 200 websites before I charged anybody anything for it. Went full-time in 2020 in the midst of the pandemic. And right now, we're uh, one of the fastest growing digital marketing companies in the entire uh, world at this point. Uh, we're named the Inc. 5000 last year at 868. Have about 200 full-time employees, 700-plus clients doing everything from logo branding, web design, SEO, PPC, Facebook ads, and all that good stuff. So that's a, a Cliff Notes version, if I could call it Cliff Notes. Yeah, man. Thanks for sharing that. You have quite an amazing story. And on top of that, I know that you've 
been through a lot with everything. Um, I know that there's probably been tons of hurdles you had to jump through. So I'm curious, like, what are some of the hurdles and obstacles that you went through that you wish you could tell your younger self? I think the the biggest thing looking back on one of my biggest regrets, I guess, if you could call it, would be not getting started running my own business back in 2015 when I had the opportunity and thought that that's what I wanted to do. But when I made the transition and, and really started taking things seriously in 2018 to 2020, once I had a side hustle, like I was doing it completely wrong the first way. Mm. And it's because I didn't know any better though. So I'm fortunate enough that I had the opportunity to go and work in corporate America and get my teeth cut in sales because mm. I would have never probably been as successful as I was today without that transition. But I think the biggest thing is just like sticking true, uh, staying true to who you are. And more importantly, like betting on yourself and going all in. I mm-hmm. think for a long time, I was kind of like half in, half out. Am I going to make this a full-time thing? Am I not? So I would go in these ups and downs and mm-hmm. it would just be this roller coaster of emotions and, and stress and anxiety. Once I said, hey, I'm leaving everything behind. I'm leaving the money. I'm leaving the benefits. I'm leaving the security. I'm leaving comfort to go all in on myself. That's when Mm -hmm. I finally was like, all right, here, we're going to go do this. And I've learned a bunch along the way. But when I did that, what it started to do is it started to take people away from me or people would leave my circle Mm -hmm. or my walk of life that needed to actually go. And it was really difficult for me because I thought I was doing something wrong. I thought I made the wrong decision. I thought that um, I was just screwing everything up. But Mm. in reality, it was the people that were in my circle, the people that were surrounding me were also holding me back as well. Mm. That was one of the biggest lessons that I learned is is you're going to let people down, quote unquote, when you do what's best for you. And you have to be okay with that, knowing that you have to put yourself first for years. And even still to this day, I catch myself because we're entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. we, we're like-minded people, we care about people. Sometimes we put others first when we really have to put ourselves first. And that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest lessons that I've learned and, and things that I continually have to work on. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you sharing that. That's actually one of the core values here at Conquer Your Life is you have to be fulfilled first. You get that full filled. If you're going to fill yourself up, that's when you can start pouring into others. But too many people get caught up in worrying about everybody else. But when it truly comes to becoming the best you, you need to focus on you first. And it sounds like you did exactly that. And it's huge to hear it from somebody else. Yeah. So 30 days into entrepreneurship full time, I joined Apex, which is where you and I know each other. So I was three to five years, probably head of most entrepreneurs. They need to go learn all the hard lessons. They need to try to do it themselves before they finally realize they need to join a like-minded community. One of the biggest reasons why I've been so successful and when I started, I went from zero to a million in 15 months is because I was paying attention along the way, even while I was working for somebody else. Mm. So I started following Ryan Stuman back in 2016 when I got into sales. I started getting connected with a bunch of people in Apex back in 2018 when I don't even know if it was called that, 
but I was paying attention to those people and, and seeing what they were doing to be successful. Mm. And I was also building a bunch of websites and providing a bunch of value and obviously selling like tangible leads instead of selling things up front before I charged anybody anything. So that way I could, could hear from the market. Like, this is what I hate about digital marketers. This mm. is what I hate about X, Y, and Z. So then that way, when I ran full steam ahead in 2020, I already paid attention for the last couple of years when I didn't need to pay attention to understand where I needed to go. So then that way I could conquer my life. That way I could mm. take advantage of what I was doing. The alternative would have been trying to do this over three to five years, making every freaking mistake known to man mm. myself. But I, I was the type of person where I'm like, I have some money. I'd rather condense time, invest that money, get in the right rooms with the right people and educate myself on what I need to do in order to get better personally and professionally. Man, and I'm right there with you. You're talking to the choir here because I didn't know what to do. You know, I made a lot of mistakes starting out as well. You know, I was a sales guy and I learned from my dad's mistakes growing up. I learned from other leaders' mistakes growing up and saw how they lived and I just recognized it early. Like, I don't want that. I can see myself going so much more. And even though I was around some people that might've made more money than me, like at a car dealership or like I got into roofing and siding and stuff like that, I realized like, okay, well, there's a cap there. You mm -hmm. know, I, I know that there is more out there. So I learned from the mis their mistakes early. And that's when I invested into myself getting into Apex. And from there, man, everything was just amazing. Like that group is phenomenal. And for everybody listening here, this keeps getting brought up in every single podcast episode, if you notice, and that's investing in yourself and getting in the right rooms. You are who you hang around. You want to you want to be a badass marketer like Adam McChesney? Go hang out with the Adam McChesneys. That's it. And then do the work to get there. Take the necessary actions. We're giving you the step-by-step -step game plan here, guys. It's really cool to hear Adam share this. So I'm curious during COVID, that's when that all started. How did you keep your business going um, from there? Yeah. So I, I kind of joke because I kind of started at like the right time during COVID. <laughs> I at least started taking it seriously. So mm. I had, you know, basically get, had no revenue in the side hustle up until really the beginning of co or the beginning of 2020. So I started like actually trying to make money with it because I told myself like 2020 is going to be the year when I leave medical device sales. Mm. Now I was thinking December 31st, not July 1st when it ended up happening. So we ended up buying our forever dream home in the midst of the pandemic in May. Mm. And when the pandemic started, in March, I had already had some runway going, making some money, making some connections, doing these things, but I didn't have like a recurring client base like a lot of these marketing agencies had where people shut off their marketing overnight because they didn't know what was going to happen. I was strictly pay for performance at the mm. time or like one-time project stuff. So as I started to get into the retainer model and started to get creative about how I was charging people... At that point, EIDL loans were kicking in. People were starting to realize that homeowners, because I work with primarily contractors and home service businesses, mm -hmm. they were realizing that homeowners were investing money into their property because they weren't able to take vacations. So I kind of rode that wave and mm -hmm. really helped uh, businesses understand 
the online presence aspect of how this was changing in COVID. And so for me, it was, I mean, it was a blessing. I, I would have never, you and I might not be having this conversation if COVID didn't happen. I could right. have, I, I might, I might've never had the time and energy to invest in my side hustle. So mm. it was absolutely a blessing. And I came in at the right time and uh, really haven't looked back since. That's awesome, man. Yeah. It's so cool to hear the struggles that people have gone through, including like yourself, but also uh, just staying in it, even if everybody else around you, because I bet you during COVID, people are like, don't do it. There's so much going on. Just kind of take it easy. He's like, no, man, I got a perfect opportunity. Check this out. So guys, just pay attention to that in every area of your life. There's something that you're going through that seems so bad, so shitty that you're struggling with, it'll end up once you look back at it, maybe a year or two, maybe five years down the line, like, Oh my goodness, I wouldn't be here if I didn't go through that. I bet you've went through tons of those type of circumstances, Adam. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. So I was thinking about this the other day because we're going through a unique kind of merger with our company right now. And it, it's taken us from, just the nine employees that we have, which is a lot to merging with 150 employees. But I look back at those initial days of entrepreneurship. Mm. And when I thought the world was like falling apart and that I was going to have to go get a job and work for somebody else again, and basically like admit to failing at being an entrepreneur, those were some of the most fun days. Those mm. were some of the the days that like, if I could go back and do, I would just love to relive those things because I didn't have the overhead of eight mm -hmm. other people because I didn't, I didn't feel the responsibility for all these other people. Like it was just me grinding. Now you could also say that like I was grinding too much and I was doing all the wrong things and I should have built the processes and systems. Yes. But it, there's something about like that initial startup period where you have your back against the wall and you do have to take advantage of every situation and opportunity that comes upon your way in order to make this what it is, but you almost have nothing to lose. Now it's like, okay, we're a lot more comfortable. We have all these clients, but like if we lose, the impact is much bigger because mm -hmm. we have clients, we have employees, we have benefits, we have all those things. Whereas if like I just lost on my own, it's okay because I just lost on my own. Yeah, man, you are, you're lighting a fire inside of me right now because you said enjoying, you pretty much said you got to enjoy the journey to getting there. Yeah. You know, and too many people get lost in the in the final destination that they never enjoy the journey. And then once you get to that final destination, you're like, oh, the journey was the fun part. And to be honest with everybody listening and to Adam right now, you know, my back is against a wall. You know, I forced myself to get my put my back against this wall because I went all in on Conquer Your Life for all of you guys, because I know it needs to be heard. And we need more men to be talking about things like this and about the wins and how to conquer our lives. You know, but I will tell you, and I've told many other people this before, I am the most fulfilled and happy than I've ever been in my entire life. Even though all these things in my mind are going crazy, even though that the journey looks a little scary right now, it doesn't matter because truthfully, I am enjoying it. And you saying that, I know where I'm going to be in the future. It's just cool to know that I'm in a spot that I know later on down the line, I'm going to wish I could have back. Yeah, as long as you're doing the stuff daily that you know that you need to be doing, like whether you 
make a sale, generate revenue or anything, right? As long as you do those things on a daily given basis that you know you need to do in order to get where you're trying to go, it doesn't really matter about the tactical stuff that happened that day as long as you fulfilled on what you knew you were supposed to do. Mm. From there, you know, I remember being like, oh my gosh, I cannot fathom our marketing company getting to even 30k a month. Well, then I get to 30k a month. I'm like, I can't wait till we get 100k in uh, 100k in a month because all of our problems are going to be solved. I can't wait till we hit a million dollar runway because everything is going to be better. The truth of the matter is, we hit that and we hit that much quicker than I and would have anticipated, and nothing changed. Like literally, nothing changed other than mm. me being able to say that I did it. Everybody thinks that the grass is greener on the other side, and that once they reach a certain point in business whether that's money, team members, client load, that everything is going to be fine. All that does is expose the issues that was more probably so driven from your ego mm. or what you needed to tell people about your business at that point. It's exposing those things. Mm. It's a lot better when those things are exposed when you're only doing 10K, 20K a month because it's not as big. Well, when those same issues are there at 100K, 150K, 200K a month becomes tougher, right? So you just have to understand the why behind why you're wanting to get to seven figures, why you're wanting to get to multiple seven figures. Otherwise, you're going to be super, super unfulfilled once you get there. Ooh, that just ties it right into the next question I was going to ask you. You know, I've heard you say before something on the line of shiny object syndrome. And I'm curious to know, how did you discover your passion? Hold on a second. How did you discover your passion for digital marketing without having to chase the shiny object syndrome and getting caught up in that? Yeah, that's a great question. So a digital marketing has gotten me shiny object syndrome, which I'll talk about <laughs> here in a second. But the coolest part about like what I've learned about digital marketing is the impact that it can actually have on a business when done correctly. So there's hundreds of thousands of digital marketers that are out there that like, literally will claim that they've done everything under the sun. And, and as with any industry, right? Like there are shady people. There are people that don't do business the right way, that take people's money and run, that honestly don't know digital marketing, but anybody can be there, be a digital marketer. Mm -hmm. I literally built 200 websites before I charged for a website. Like I wow. kind of know what I'm doing. And I, I did that on purpose because I wanted to learn everything. With digital marketing, I love the idea that you could have a website and an online presence, and that could dramatically transform a, a business. And I had never worked direct with small businesses before, before I got into digital marketing. And the ripple effect of digital marketing with inside a business for not only the owner of that company, the clients, the, the employees everybody's families that are tied into that. It fulfilled me so much more than selling some piece of medical equipment mm. that yes, it impacted somebody's life, but I never knew who they were. Where the shiny object syndrome came in is in those initial 200 websites that I built, one of those was an auto glass repair website. One of those was a landscape design website here in St. Louis. And those like the Autoglass one was generating three, four, 500 phone calls a month, which was absolutely insane. So I had the bright idea to be like, oh, let's just go start an Autoglass company. Let's just go start a landscape design company. And, and my marketing company wasn't 
like where it's at now, it had so many things that needed my attention, but I was like, all right, let's go try to do this. Cause maybe auto glass will be easier money. Maybe mm. design will be easier money. And then it just created a crap load more problems and kind of took me off the beaten path. Obviously I was able to get reeled back in, but I learned a lot of lessons along the way that I wish at certain times, maybe I wouldn't have just dove into those other things without truly understanding the impact that it would have on my main thing, which was the marketing agency. Mm. So you were you were trying to do too much because you were chasing the money in a way? Yes. I was always thinking that there was something easier, quicker, faster, stronger. Mm. But then you ended up having quite the passion in digital marketing. And that's one thing that I've learned uh, in these last few years is that, yes, I could have kept chasing the money, but what my heart was really fired up about, like I realized no matter what the dollar amount is, I could go out and do what I do now for absolutely free. Yeah. I could because yeah. I love doing it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm curious to know, besides, is there anything else with uh, digital marketing that fires you up? Is there anything else that puts a fire inside of you that you have a really cool vision for the future? Yeah. So I took on my first consulting client like two weeks ago. So it's a local water restoration and mitigation company that has just became franchised that they're trying to go all over the country with their locations. Mm. And they already have an in-house marketing team, but they don't under like my, my strong suit is SEO. Mm. So they don't have really an SEO strategy for their in-house team. So they're having me come in as a consultant and helping build out their in-house SEO team and then giving them the strategy that they need to do every single day, week, month, quarter. And that's the stuff that lights me up because we don't, you know, we work with a lot of different clients and I'm so far removed from the day-to-day -day of working with our clients and our clients, it's not like we're tying people into a year-long contract. So uh, there's not necessarily that commitment on both ends, even though as much as we would love for that, this company came to me and was like, Adam, we want you, we want to figure out what we can pay you mm. to consult with us. And we're looking at this as a long-term play. And we don't believe that we can dominate nationwide without you being a part of it. Like that's the stuff that lights me up and is mm. what I've been building over the last couple of years in order to get the spot. Wow. I can, I, I'm just imagining being told that being like said, dude, we need you. Like we want you to be a part of this. I just sounds like such a accomplished thing. And I could already see it with what you're doing. You do that for multiple people and you just be able to get in there and show them the tricks of the trade. It just really sounds like a good future for you, brother. It's uh, it's going to be exciting. So I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm excited to see your journey, man. Um, so another question I have for you is, I know in the past that you've dealt with criticism. So over time, I'm curious to know, how would you have handled it different? And how do you handle it now? Yeah, I think back when it initially started happening. So I started, you know, doing the build your machine, started posting all on social media back in August of, of 2020. And within like a month, I was already getting a bunch of crap and, and criticism from family, from high school friends, from college friends. And like, it was just well known that like, I was trying to become somebody different. I don't believe I was trying to become somebody different. I believe I was getting to a point of being comfortable with who I was and what I really wanted to do. But for years I had kind of masked that. Mm. 
long story short, in the very beginning, it like wrecked me, like got to a point where like, I just felt like paralyzed to a degree after I kept hearing people talk about me or seeing screenshots of what I was posting on social media. And then, mm. then it sent in group messages because I cared so much about what other people think. Mm. And so it would, it, it was sickening how much it had an impact on me because I hadn't, I hadn't understood that like a change had happened. Right. So we're all on this level playing field, me and those friends, I was up here, but they were trying to bring me back down with them by doing what they were doing. And so over the course of the last two and a half years, it doesn't get easier is the, is what I will tell you. You just get better at understanding the energy in which it's going to take from you. Mm. For example, when those things happen now, it's more of like, ah, that sucks. You laugh about it. You might acknowledge them if it's like in person or something like that, which has happened from time to time, but you're kind of just on to the next thing. Like I got too much crap to worry about. If I worried about that for longer than 30 seconds, it would wreck my day. I don't want it to get to that point. So what yeah. used to wreck me now just kind of serves as motivation mm -hmm. and encourages me to continue doing what I'm doing because I know that if people are talking about me, if they feel the need to say something, then I'm probably yeah. on the right path. Yep. I remember seeing your one of your most recent posts saying that, like, you know, you're doing something right if you're ruffling feathers and you're pissing people <laughs> off when in all reality, you're out here doing good. Yeah. It's like if you they say because part of that comes back to imposter syndrome. And my business coach told me a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about it, he goes, imposter syndrome is only present to those that are not imposters, because the people that are actual imposters are so like they're so delusional that they don't think that they're actual imposters because they don't understand where they're at or what they're doing mm -hmm. or that they're people over. So the fact that we're conscious about this stuff, the fact that we are uh, trying to get better about it doesn't mean that we actually are. It just means that we are conscious of and self-aware of where we're at and how this impacts us. And we mm -hmm. want to get better. We just got to get more efficient at not letting it actually affect and impact who we are. Absolutely, man. And I also want to tie it back a little bit to what you said about not necessarily, maybe you give them an acknowledgement, but you're on to the next thing within 30 seconds. Like, I don't got time for this negativity. I got all these other things to do. And I want to tie that to one of the lessons I learned recently. And that is not allowing to give your energy to other people like that, because that gives them power. Mm. Once you let it piss you off. Yeah, and, uh, that's one of the lessons I've learned recently, like, you have the control to let what other people say bug you like what yeah. he just said guys if somebody is coming to you and you know you are doing good but people are coming to you trying to bring you down i know it might be hard at first but you really just gotta hold your ground is be like listen that's not true whatever get on to your next thing i'm going just don't just don't even give them any power yeah now love that it's huge, man, because like, <clears throat> for instance, my fiance's uh, parents, they were getting there. That was one of the biggest things for me, because all I wanted to do was get accepted by her family. But no matter what I did, they're from a small town. So me and starting a brand and wanting to help people and they call Apex a cult <laughs> and stuff wow. like that. 
And I'm just like, gosh, darn it, guys. I wish you could see it. But what I realize is, hold on a second. I don't have to give them any time of day. If they don't get it, cool. Just don't don't give them any power. And then we're just living our life how we're doing it. And things are great. So I used to get frustrated when I would explain Apex to people. And and my wife is on board now. But like in the beginning, it really wasn't. And same thing when I merged my company, right? And I would get so frustrated why people wouldn't quote unquote, like understand what I'm doing. And it would like upset me, like kind of like we were talking about when somebody like makes fun of us or does something that criticizes us, like it would, it would consume me. And I realized it's actually like, I can't be mad at them. It's not their fault. Mm-hmm. If their brain or if, if who they are as a person, they don't want to allow that in, they're never going to see it. It's not my job to sell them on why I'm doing something. It's my job to do the work, show them the results and have them link back that, okay, what Adam is doing and why he's doing it makes sense because the proof is right there in the pudding. Oh man, that's so powerful, man. Become the example. You don't have to explain yourself. If you're doing the work and you're putting it out there, people are going to see it. Absolutely. That's huge. Um, so another question I got for you, brother, is as a serial entrepreneur, you've what advice would you give other entrepreneurs out there who want to get into it? I think the biggest thing is that you have to understand that no two days are ever going to be alike. And there is going to be crap that gets thrown at you that you will never be ready for. And so if you go, for example, from working for somebody else, like the worst day in entrepreneurship is better than the war, than the, than your best day working for somebody else. Mm. Because at the end of the day, the buck stops with you as the owner or the CEO or whatever you want to call it, which is a good and bad thing means that you have the full authority to be able to make and solve and really take advantage and ownership of your life and of your business. But on the flip side of that, like you have to be willing to deal with the crap that nobody else wants to deal with because it's yours. Mm. And a lot of times people will be like, all right, I'm just going to pass the buck to somebody else because I don't want to deal with it. Can't necessarily do that in entrepreneurship. So you have to understand that entrepreneurship is going to give you the best of both worlds. You're going to be able to do what you want, when you want, how you want, with who you want, where you want a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Also, you're going to have to step up to the plate and deal with the things that 99.9% of the population truly don't want to deal with when things get tough. Mm. And that's what makes entrepreneurs so sought after and strong. You know, like we're the backbone of America Man, we got to be able to handle these things to, to be able to provide the jobs, to be able to do the things for people that other people don't do. I mean, you said 99.9%, man. I mean, we need more of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, we do. Um, so I'm curious, what are your core values up at Height Digital compared to like your personal or family core values, or are they all kind of tied to the same? Yeah, I actually have them tied together. And so uh, I developed them uh, about a year and a half and it's been really good. They're the core values and the acronym of trust. So it's take action, results matter, utilize resources, set expectations and transform lives. 
And then we have four action statements on the business side that we talk about in all of our presentations, every prospect, every client, every any type of conversation we have, which is we have to trust ourselves. So like each individual member of our team is there and in their role for a specific reason. And, and I have to trust that like I'm here for a reason. We have to trust each other. So we have to trust everybody that is on our team in that specific seat and in that specific role. We have to trust our clients. So if we're bringing on somebody as a client, like we have a lot of clients, we don't just need anybody that's willing to pay us. We have to trust them. And then more importantly, our clients have to trust us. We have to have that trust back and forth. It's the foundation of everything that we do. And if it's not there, it's just not going to make sense. Mm -hmm. Blew me away. That's really good stuff, man. Because like I've, I've done business with people in the past that didn't trust me, you know, or vice versa. And it, it just never really goes well. And once you get to the level, like kind of where you're at in business, you kind of get to pick and choose who you want to do business with. Because I know we both have those uh, clients that are nightmares. Yeah, always. always. There's always some of them, man. <laughs> never goes away. But that's okay. We still persevere. So I'm curious, you've mentioned a lot of things that are rewarding about entrepreneurship, but I'm, what would you say is like the most rewarding thing to you? I'd say the freedom. So for me, that's the reason why I wanted back in 2018, why I wanted to find something, because I wanted the freedom to not have to work for somebody else and be told that, hey, you have to be over here in this side of the country for a meeting. And I Obviously, we don't have kids yet. We have our first kid on the way. But mm. back in 2018, I had just proposed to my fiance. I knew we were going to get married the next year. And I thought, all right, if I want to get promoted at this company, I want to make a little bit more money. I'm going to work longer hours. I'm going to travel more. I'm going to have more responsibilities. It's not worth it, right? But I always want to push the envelope. And so that was kind of my next pushing of the envelope. So I said, I want to find something that can... I can build my life around and design my life around freedom, the freedom to work where mm. I want to, when I want to, how I want to, and with who I want to. Mm. Yeah. And I remember you saying that earlier in the podcast, and that's huge, man, because uh, to tie this to conquer your life, you know, creating leaders that are going to empower the next generations to come. You know, one of the things is that the fathers aren't really home to be able to lead their kids or their family in general. And that's one cool thing about entrepreneurship and doing it right is that you can you can be that dad. You you can have your work at home, but you can have your work in business as well and be able to balance that. I know you're not a dad yet, but I can already tell you, man, you are the example and you're killing it. And it's a boy, right? You said boy. Yes, man. It's going, he's going to have such an amazing father figure around there, man. And we need so many more role models in today's society. And it's really cool to know that you're being an example because many, many younger guys, you know, my age get to see it and other people are going to see it. And the ripples that you're going to have is just, I can already see where they're going and it's huge. Appreciate that, man. Thank you. What would you say is something that you see today in society with men and how they need to step up? I think it goes back to ownership. And I think it's not it's not so prevalent for people to actually take ownership of all of their actions. It's easier to pass the buck. It's easier to, to make an excuse or put the blame on somebody else. 
And I, I did that for years, even after starting an entrepreneurship, I would always complain about, oh, well, the reason why I'm not in the best shape of my life is because I'm older. I'm not nearly as active as I once was. My business is taking up too much time. Like I'm trying to provide for my family. Like if I stop working or if I work less hours, to go work out or eat healthier. That means I'm not going to make as much money. Like it's all the crap that we feed ourselves <laughs> in our mind. So I think it just goes back to like taking extreme ownership and really understanding how directly your decisions and the ownership of your life can impact so many people. Hmm. Well, that wasn't a good, that was a good answer. <laughs> I loved it, man. Um, so become, becoming an entrepreneur and including the man that you are today, what personal growth do you go through on the day-to-day -day basis? You know, I know we live by the G code, but I'm just curious, what does your day-to-day -day look like personal growth wise? Yeah. So, uh, starts up by waking around up around four 30 every single day. Uh, I do 10 minutes of meditation. I do, uh, 15 minutes in the sauna, read 10 pages in my book work out in the morning. I read my champion's legacy, which is taken from uh, Mike Claudio's uh, group, which I'm in. It's a sequence of I am's, uh, I will nots, and just kind of talking things into existence each and every single day. Uh, and then I uh, drink a gallon of water uh, before I go to bed, throughout the day before I go to bed. Mm. So those are the key things that, that I do every single day and uh, keep track of it all on my phone, make sure that I'm doing it, holding myself accountable, and then tracking my results along the way. Dang. All right. That's another thing with all of us uh, guys who've been on here on the podcast is that there's always a morning routine or a routine that people follow to stay on top of it and to stay successful. How long would you say that takes per day? to do what you said? Uh, so, so normally I'm done by about seven 30, like knocking everything out. So it's about a, about a two and a half hour by the time I'm up and at the gym, all those things. Uh, but then it sets me, you know, sets my day up for success and anything that comes after that. I know David Goggins talk about, talks about this all the time. Anything that comes after that doesn't seem so hard. Once you knock out those things in the morning that, you're starting your day off with some of the hardest things and then mm -hmm. everything else gets easier from there. Oh man, that's so huge too, man. Once I finally dove into my morning routine, everything else in life changed. And once mm -hmm. I realized that people would ask me like, what, what are you doing? Like, how are you able to do these things? I was like, well, I just woke up and stayed on my routine. People, oh, I don't got time for all that. I don't have this, this and that. I'm like, dude, it's two and a half hours. Yeah. You can't go to sleep a little early. No, I got to watch my Netflix show. There's always something getting in the way, man. And it's it's really cool to hear the repetitive repetitiveness, repetitiveness, there you go, of everybody's stories. It seems to be very universal. And uh, speaking of Mike Claudio's team, I was just on a podcast earlier with uh, Dustin Magley. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have you talked to him yet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've known Dustin for a couple of years. Yeah. He was telling me about the championship or the champion's legacy thing that he does. And it sounds pretty interesting. Is it something that you have to pay to do or? Oh, no, no. It's just like a framework that he talks about as a part of, Mike talks about as a part of your 
championship day, which is a series of different tasks you're going to do every single day, morning routine or later in the day that will help you win the day. Mm. So Mike is very big on, and a lot of entrepreneurs and, and influencers are on like, it's not always about that long game, but like, did you win the day? Did you do everything that you know you needed to do in order to progress further? If yes, you won the day. It doesn't matter what happens in work, anything like, did you win the day? And keeps it pretty simple. I gotcha, man. That's cool. I might need to go up there and check it out. I'm going to ask one more question and then we'll wrap this all up. I'm always curious to know how our guests grew up. So I'm curious to know, how did you grow up, brother? Yeah. So uh, most of my life, my parents were married. They got divorced when I was 18. So right as I was heading off to college, but they still get along pretty well to this day. Uh, my dad is a lawyer, so he went from working for somebody else to running his own practice to now working for somebody else again. Uh, my mom was a school teacher, then stayed at home for a while, then became a school teacher again. Very supportive family, had pretty much everything that I needed. I wasn't necessarily like just given everything I had to, to work for it and had uh, two younger brothers, a younger sister, have two stepsisters now and uh and a stepdad so very loving family i had all the opportunities that i needed i just had to take advantage of those opportunities which i did you know for for the most part um played multiple sports throughout grade school and in high school so um had a very fortunate pretty solid upbringing which uh is very fortunate for so uh looking forward to to doing uh just that for for my kids Right. Absolutely, man. And we can't we we can't choose how we're brought up. But I'm telling you, man, you made a good work out of it. And one other question, too. You said you went to college to play soccer. Yes. OK, so you must have been pretty good at it, I assume. I was all right. I played NAI soccer, uh, so we were pretty good. But uh, but yeah, it was a good time. I got gotcha. you. I, I just got back into it. I played for like 15 years. Okay. And I've been off for about four years. And man, I tell you what, cardio is something yeah. <laughs> that you got to stay on, man, because yep. getting back into it, it was tough. thought I was going to die the other day. Um, <laughs> so where can everybody find you, brother? Yeah. So you can go to adammcchesney.com. You'll see all my social links, information about what we got going on. Uh, the easiest social media platform is going to be Instagram. So that's Adam L. McChesney. And uh, yeah, you'll be able to find me somewhere wherever is most convenient for you. Absolutely. Everybody, give him a follow. Go check him out. Thanks again for coming out and listening to the Conquer Your Life podcast. Always remember to conquer your life. You need to make sure to take step one through 99 before you hit 100. Till next time, everybody. <laughs>